Pastor and Don, uh, our pastors are on vacation right now, and uh, they send their love. He texts me every Sunday morning, and he says, tell the people that I love them. So he loves you, and we can't wait for him to get back. You guys only have two more weeks with me, you know, and I know you're like, man, thank God. So this Sunday and next Sunday, and then he'll be back, and it'll be back to normal. And uh, so I'm totally joking about that. Listen, we are halfway through our series that we are calling God Is, and the goal of our series is that uh, God would open your eyes that you would see him a little more clearly. You know, we've been doing a 30-day challenge with this series, and the 30-day challenge has simply been this, that, that you would take a little bit of time every day and just declare God for who he is using the names of God, because the names of God are what our inheritance in Christ is all about. And so the last couple of weeks, we've talked about a few different things. We talked about that God is our healer. And so what that would look like in a declaration is, God, I thank you that you're my healer. I thank you that you heal me emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I uh, thank you that you are responsible for me because I am your child. And you just begin to declare God for his. How many of you guys have, let's do this. How many of you guys have declared God for who he is at least three times this week. Raise your hand real high. Three, at least three times. At least three times. Cool. Hey, if you haven't, join us, man, because uh, here's the deal. With this series, God is, we need to understand that God is not trying to hide from you and I. He's not playing peekaboo with us. All right, so check this out. Grab your Bibles and open them to 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. And then uh, we're also going to take a look at John 17, starting at verse 20. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, aren't these the scriptures that we read last Sunday? The answer to your question is, yes, they are. And um, I, I just, I can't get away from these scriptures because this is such a foundational bedrock uh, to our sight and who God wants to be for us. And I just, man, I want it to just dig and drive down in your heart. Would you stand as we read God's word this morning? 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, verse number 12. It says this. It says, For we have received, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This series, God is, God wants you to see him for who he really is. He's not hiding from you. He wants you to understand him, and he wants you to know about him. Let's take a look at John 17, uh, verse 20 through 23. Jesus said this. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. Now, he was talking to the disciples in, that, in, in this scripture. So he's talking to the disciples. He says, my prayer is not for the disciples alone. He said, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Who are those who will believe in me? That's you and I, because we have heard the message of the gospel, because it has been passed down uh, throughout the last 2,000 years. And it says this, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, and you in me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your incredible word. God, we thank you so much that your word simply reveals who you are to humanity. And we thank you for the revelation of your word. I pray today that eyes would be open for the first time to see you for who you are. I pray that the ears would be open of believers to discover you in new ways. We just love you and we commit uh, this time to you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You can be seated this morning. Man, I love this scripture so much because it is such a powerful, powerful picture uh, depicting and helping us to understand that literally when we accept Christ into our heart, we literally become one with him. So much oneness, in fact, that Jesus said, he said, there's going to be so much oneness between myself and my believers that they are going to display my glory, my awesomeness the wonder, all the amazing things in me are going to shine through them. This is the inheritance that every believer receives when they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. By the way, if you don't have a relationship with Christ today, I just pray for you that as you hear what is spoken today and what is made available to you, uh, that God will reveal himself to you and you'll have an opportunity at the end of the service uh, to make a commitment to him. Uh, because check this out, we receive everything that God is at salvation and everything that we receive from him is revealed to us in his name. And that's why we're focusing on the names of God. Last week, we talked about God as our healer and we talked about God as our sanctifier. If you haven't checked that out, make sure to go online and listen to that today because I truly believe that it's gonna really free you up. You know, as I've been preparing for this uh, series, uh, man, God just continues to show new things to me. And this week, um, man, God was just uh, speaking to my heart today and he said this, he said, Son, I want you to know that I am for you what you could never be on your own. And I want to just declare that over you today. Um, By the way, the ushers are coming forward. We're going to take communion right now. So if you didn't get a communion cup, raise your hand real high, and uh, they'll make sure to send one to you. Keep your hand up real high until you get one. But God told me, Son, I want you to know that I am everything for you that you could never be on your own today. I want you to listen. I know it's kind of weird because ushers are floating through, but check this out. I want to just speak that same word over you today, and I declare that over you as a person, that God is for you what you could never be on your own. Did you hear that? God is for you what you could never be on your own. He is absolutely, perfectly adequate for everything, always, all the time. In every area that you're inadequate, he has everything that you need. That's what communion is all about. That's what the cross is all about. It's all about the fact that Jesus went to a cross and he provided everything that you will ever need through dying on the cross. So this morning... We're going to peel this little top layer back and grab the bread. And we're going to take communion together and remember together that he is for us everything that we could never be and that we're not. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the cross. And we thank you that communion is a remembrance, God, of what you did for us on the cross. And God... We remember this morning that you are for us what we could never be on our own. We thank you for that. We love you so much in your awesome, awesome name. Amen. Would you take the bread and the juice? Would you just thank him one more time? Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you 
for the cross. The ushers are on their way right now. You can take your communion cup and pass it to the nearest inside aisle. Well, hey, are you all ready to have a little bit of fun together this morning? Hey, listen, God is the first name we're going to talk about today in our series is this one. This is a good one, all right? I'm going to spell the word for you, okay? And then I'm going to say the word for you. You could say the word. You could say it different than me. That doesn't really matter. Um, but here's the word, Jehovah Tzidkeno. Jehovah Tzidkeno. Ready? T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U. T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U. Tzidkeno. Now, check it out. That's a crazy word. And if you don't like the way I say it, that's great. Say it however you want. But here's what that word really means. It means God is our righteousness. Number one in your notes. We're talking about God is. God is our righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. That is a huge spiritual word. It's an intimidating word because when we think about rightness, we think about, uh, we kind of think about perfection. Um, Although purity and perfection is really sanctification. We talked about that last week. But when we think about righteousness, sometimes we think about stuffiness. We think about people who think they're righteous because they always do the right things all the time and they're just perfectly righteous. Well, let's take a look at the four, one of the first times this word righteous, God is our righteousness, uh, was mentioned in the Bible. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. We see this declaration from Jeremiah. And he says this. He says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king, who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called. You ready? The Lord our righteous Savior. By the way, when it says that he will raise up a righteous branch, a king, that king right there is King Jesus, okay? And so this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. God is our righteousness. Let's take a look at the word righteous for a moment. Define the word righteous simply means as it means to be right, justice, and upright. When we talk about God and we talk about the word righteousness, let me give you um, Sean's uh, this is just this is my definition of the word after taking a look at all kinds of definitions and studying we just make it real simple righteousness is simply the ability to always be right righteousness is simply the ability to always somebody say always always, <laughs> always be right that's really hard that's really hard and i think it's pretty obvious to most of us that that is really hard. See, for you and I, righteousness is so hard to always be right because our opinion of what is right is always changing. It is always constantly shifting as we grow and as we mature and as we learn new things and we get wiser. So what we think is right changes. And, and as we become a believer, all of a sudden what we think is right it changes. And as we grow and learn more about God, what we think is right changes. And we learn more. And the things that we don't know that are right, simply because we're ignorant to them, we just don't have the information yet. We're ignorant to them, so we can be right in them. But we spend our life's journey learning and discovering how awesome and how amazing God is. That's why you and I can never be always right all the time, because we're always growing. 
Wow, that's pretty fun. So you can like rest in the fact that you're not, you're not righteous without Christ. It's okay. And at, the, the crazy thing, in your power, you're not righteous uh, with Christ in your own power anyways. It's actually him in you that makes you righteous. See, God is nothing like you and I at all because God is righteous all the time. God, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why he's righteous. He doesn't ever come upon new information and go, oh, I get that now. Okay, cool, because he's God. See, you and I, to find the right things, we got to go outside ourselves into God's word to figure out what's right or ask other people wisdom to figure out what's right. God doesn't have to go outside of himself to figure out what's right. He just goes, yeah. He looks within himself because he's God and he's always right all the time. Is there anybody in here that would be so bold this morning to claim that you are always right all the time? Don't raise your hand. Don't embarrass yourself this morning. Because you can be 98% right and still not be right. I mean, you could think like, I got it going on everywhere except this 2%. That's okay. That's all that it takes. 2%. It just takes 2% to make you completely not right. The Bible says it like this in James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty at breaking it all. Now, you guys might be in luck today because I did not find my black marker. <laughs> they got me one and I lost it. I don't know if I lost it. I, just, I took it and I put it somewhere and it's not here. I have a red one that you can't see. (laughs) Underneath the towel? Oh, Chris. Well, you guys thank Chris, man. Chris is like, he, oh, Chris, look at you, man. You're awesome. Okay, thank you, Chris. Oh, man, y'all in trouble. (laughs) This is not for wiping my sweat. This is for wiping the board. But check this out. In the old covenant, here's the deal. I'm going to just O.C., Old covenant and the new covenant. The new covenant is simply what happened when Jesus came to the cross. The old way was the law. The Bible says that, so in the law, there's like a lot, a lot of laws, blah, 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 a lot, okay? And it just like goes on and on and on. And the Bible actually says that you can do all of these and you do 98% of these and you miss this one up here. I don't know. To that 2%. I, I, just give me a break. But you miss 2% of it. You're actually guilty of all of it. Righteousness is about being 100% right all the time. And the big revealing concept in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant was simply revealing to man that no matter how hard you try, you could never fulfill 100% of the law. And it was all pointing everybody this way to Jesus. Hey, guys, there's a righteous branch coming. His name is Jesus. He's actually going to do everything for you that you can never do on your own. That's why you need the cross. That's why you need my son, King Jesus, who's going to come and fix all of this for you. And there's this repeated theme over and over and over. No matter how hard you try, you can't pull this one off. The only way people would pull this off is this. If they did 
everything right and miss this 2%, well, then what they had to do is they had to make a sacrifice. They had to go sacrifice to be in right standing with God. That's how they were able to do it. You and I do it this way. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there was this thing called sacrifice. I know my circles are getting worse. S for sacrifice, okay? And then let's just say G for God up here, okay? In order for man to get to God, they had to do a sacrifice for that 2% that they did that was wrong. Once they brought that sacrifice to the priest and it was sacrificed, that 2% now was gone. Now they are 100% right. And this man has direct access to God because of his sacrifice. The problem with that system is the minute, the minute he did one thing wrong, 2%, all of a sudden he fell back out of grace and he was not right with God anymore. So then he had to go get more sacrifices again. It's just the theme. It's the theme of the Old Testament and law. He had to get more sacrifices again and bring them back to the priest to be sacrificed, back to be right with God. Check it out. Falling in rightness with God, falling out of rightness with God. And we do the hokey, we're in, we're out, we're in, we're out. One arm in, one arm out. Some of y'all live your faith like that. That just came to me. That's not even in my notes. We're like, now I'm in, God. Now I'm out. And we do the hokey pokey and we turn us up. That's what the law is all about. It's about in. (laughs) It's about in and out in right standing with God. That's what the law is about. The Bible actually says that this in Romans 3 and 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. Check it out. You can't have righteousness this way. But the Bible says that the righteousness that God has for you and I, we actually have righteousness with God through Jesus Christ. That's the new covenant. This is, this is what the cross is all about. Righteousness is being right 100% of the time and always. Under the law, you could never be 100% right all the time because you would always fall out the minute that you sin. But underneath God's plan of the cross, the Bible says that righteousness is freely given to, in Christ Jesus to all who believe. God literally said this, Hey, I know, you're, I know you're not right. I know you're not right all the time. You don't always do the right things all the time. But guess what? My son Jesus is. And he's going to be for you what you can never be on your own. So guess what? I'm going to give you my righteousness. Here you go. Whew. To all who believe in the cross. Yeah. That's what being in Christ is all That's what your inheritance is all about. It's all about the fact that God put you in right standing with him through what Jesus did on the cross, because you could never do it on your own. Listen, the word righteous has, has to do, it's got a relationship with the word judging. The word judging. Righteousness and judging. When a judge judges, we say that a good judge would judge right and fairly. And when a good judge judges right and fairly, justice has been served. He is a righteous judge, Right? A righteous judge always makes sure that there's justice, meaning this. Justice often, most of the time, 
always demands punishment for what was done wrong, the crime that was committed. Somebody goes to court and it's deemed that, yes, they in fact did do this. Then justice must be served. God's a righteous judge. So punishment must take place for that person who did wrong. Justice. In the judicial system, there's always somebody pleading a case of mercy for the person who did something wrong. But when there's enough evidence to convict that person, justice is applied to them. And what happens? An exchange happens. An exchange for what they did wrong, and here's what the exchange is, their punishment. The only way that they're pardoned from what they did is that they go to jail for X amount of time, right? So they go and they face a sentence. When that sentence is fulfilled, what happens? When that sentence is fulfilled, what happens is that person is now free from what they did. In your notes, because of the Lord our righteousness, justice has been served for you. You've been placed in right standing with the Father. God is always right all the time. He can't have anything that is not always right all the time connected to him. Because when we come into a relationship with him, we're him. We're a part of his body. We're not him. We're in him. And under the law, you can't be in him like that. You can't be right 100% all the time in right standing with the Father because of the law. But under the cross, under the new covenant, you can. Wow. That's what the cross is all about. It's about the fact that you are 100% right all the time with the Father because of the cross, not because of you. You're in perfect right standing. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are playing hokey pokey in your mind with your faith in God and you think that you are not in right standing with God and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Here's what I want to say to you. God is satisfied with you because justice has been served for you. His son paid the max sentence. That was the exchange. His son paid the max sentence for you and I for our sins so that you and I Justice, so that justice would be served. God is a righteous judge. Judgment must always happen, but it happened on the cross with Jesus for you and I that put us in a right standing with him. Some of you are still walking in your life trying to make your wrongs right with God. He's, he's righteousness. And his son accomplished right standing with the Father for you because you can do it on your own. When you self-sabotage and you punish yourself because you think you deserve punishment for what you did because when you punish yourself enough, it puts you in right standing with God, you're telling God that your righteousness, God, was not enough for me. But the good news is, is he is everything for you and I that we can never be for ourselves. That's why God is our righteousness. Isn't that pretty fun? Justice has been served for you and I. The Bible says in Romans 8, 3 through 5, 
kind of give a little to my great illustration here. This will make perfect sense. For what the law was for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. What does that mean? Weakened by the flesh. Man's flesh. Man couldn't do this. It, it, he was too weak. The, the law that was supposed to make you right with God, the law was pulled down and it didn't work because man kept failing over and over and over and over again. It was weakened by the flesh, but God did it. God fulfilled the law by sending his own, who? Jesus, his son, to the cross in the likeness of sinful flesh to be, what had to happen to you make for you to be right with God? Sacrifice, an offering? To be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Who did he condemn? You and I? No. no. He condemned sin and he got, it, poured, it got poured on his son Jesus. He condemned sin in the flesh by punishing his son Jesus. That's my words. In order that he, that through the righteous requirements of the law, might be fully met in us. You see those words, fully met? God fully met the requirements of perfect, always rightness with God. God met that requirement for you and I through what Jesus did on the cross so that it would be fully met in you and I. So we don't have to live according to the flesh anymore, but now we live according to the Spirit. Wow. Holy mackerel. Holy moly. I mean, every time I like really give my heart to this, I am just absolutely blown away because I constantly want to convince God that I'm not right with him, God, and and I, I fail, God, and, and I'm not perfectly right all the time, so I always feel like a failure. But you know what? God said, it's already done, son. It's already done. And you've got to go back to week number one to understand, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You will obey what you believe in your heart. That's why believing in your heart and declaring who God is uh, on a daily basis will help you to see, God, I'm in right standing with you. How many of you would live differently if you just were firm? All the time in your faith, God, I'm in right standing with you. Man, thank God for what you did on the cross. You would live your life completely different. Because of the Lord, our righteousness, you are placed in right standing with God in your notes. You are placed in right standing with God. We can never be put in right standing with God in our own. The Bible is really clear. The Bible says this in Romans. It says, As it is written, no one is righteous, not even one. Why does it say that? Well, it says it because no one is righteous, not even one. It was proved thousands and thousands of years ago. But justice has been served on the cross for you and I. There's been an exchange for our sin. That exchange was Jesus on the cross. Romans 4, verse 24 and 25 says this. When we believe in that exchange and trust and put our hope in it and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says it like this, actually, this is Sean paraphrasing. But for all of us whom God will credit righteousness from who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sin and was raised to life for our justification. There had to be a justification, a judgment You were justified. There was equal payment, and it was given to you and I. It was credited to us. When someone gets credit, do they pay for that credit in the beginning? It's just given to them, right? 
it was righteousness was credited over to you, was handed over to you. God is our righteousness because we could never be. Don't you love it? Hey, let's take a look at the second thing today. God is, we're talking about God is. God is what? Well, he's our righteousness. And because he's righteous, so am I righteous. I'm in right standing with him. Number two, God is peace. God is peace. The word for peace in the Bible is uh, Jehovah Shalom. God our peace. Somebody likes that. Somebody say shalom. Somebody in the back, I don't even know who that was. They said shalom. They like that word. That like makes them feel good. We see his name as the Lord our peace in Judges chapter 6. Um, there's a story of a man named Gideon in this story. And this man Gideon was freaking out because he felt like the Lord had left him, that the Lord had forsaken him. And he felt that uh, the presence of God was not with him anymore, right? The Lord, our peace, right? When he comes, his peace comes. This man felt like his peace was not there, and he was freaking out. The Bible says it like this in verse 23. Then the Lord said to him, talking to Gideon, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is shalom. The Lord is peace. Have you ever felt completely abandoned before? Have you ever felt so alone that you were so fearful an angel had to come and visit him and say hey peace the angel was the lord by the way peace think about this mankind was separated from god in the garden and if god is peace peace left the earth when man got kicked out of the garden And humanity lived without that constant inheritance of peace. They could have peace for a little while when they were in right standing with God, but they never lived in constant peace until then. Until then. The Lord our peace. As I've been studying some of the names of God, um, the really cool thing that jumped out to me about this word peace is that I began to notice that peace is the only emotional attribute in the names of God. Think about that for a moment. Think about where most of your battle lies. Where does it lie? Isn't that funny? I'm not saying that peace is the only attribute of God. There's so many other things that, that God is that are great emotional attributes, but in the names of God, so I kind of wonder with that, is, is it perhaps that peace is the core emotional attribute that we need to experience all the other fun attributes of God emotionally? Is peace that powerful? The word peace literally means this, completeness, soundness, welfare, and safety yeah. all the time, yeah. no matter what's going on. Yeah. Completeness, soundness, Welfare and safety all the time, no matter what's happening. Are you taking full advantage of the inheritance that has been given to you through a relationship with Jesus and received that kind of peace that you can have completeness, soundness, welfare, and safety 
all the time, at work, at home, driving down the road, in and out of the financial seasons of your life, in and out of every emotional season of your life, everything that, li- everything that life dishes at you, peace is there for you. Why? Because it's in his name, the Lord our peace. Think about it. If peace is a core emotional attribute, how do you have joy without peace? Show me that one. I got no peace, but I got joy. You, wow. That's just a weird one. I don't know what to say about that. I don't got peace, but I got happiness. Okay. I think you have peace and happiness can be birthed out of that. I think you can have peace and all these other attributes of who God is, joy, happiness, emotional well-being, mental strength, all that stuff that comes because of peace. Think about this. You can actually have negative emotions, but with peace, those things can be turned around to amazing things. Let's just pick one. Let's just talk about fear for a moment. Because here's the thing. Can I get an eraser, anybody, somebody? Here, whoever grabs that, just erase. Okay. Just erase that for me. Hook me up. I want you to think about fear for a moment. You can have fear, but without the peace of God, fear traps you. I, I would use the word fear without peace. Let's use the word anxiety. <laughs> without the Prince of Peace in your life, and you face fear... You're going to have anxiety because fear without peace brings anxiety. Listen, when anxiety rules, you become immobile. You can't move. You're like, oh my gosh. It's like, you know, I'm trapped in a building and I have nowhere to go and I'm freaking out. I have no peace. The anxiety is rising. And some of you who, who like don't believe like being in small confined spaces, you're like diving into my illustration and you're freaking out in your chair and you just need to stand up right now and go, stop. Okay, I'll leave you alone. But anxiety freaks people out. And what happens when you try to get out and you got no peace and that anxiety is raining? All of a sudden, you just stop looking at God and you just, I just want out. I just want out. Get me out of here. Quick. You start, you start grabbing stuff. You start breaking things and try to break the window and break the wall and, and shake things. And, and sometimes, sure, that might get you out. And sometimes you break you because you're trying to walk through this life without the Prince of Peace. Spirit, (laughs) flesh. Peace. 100% peace all the time. Flesh, no peace in the flesh. The only access you have to peace is through this. This is you. I got critiqued on my circles last week. Peace. I'll just give a P. When we're talking in this series, God is opening your eyes, giving you a glimpse of who he is. We're trying to get you to see this way. Because the only way you experience life is in the flesh. Seriously. You're in the flesh, aren't you? Your eyes see what? Your eyes see flesh. Your mind thinks what based off of what you see? Based off of this flesh experience, your mind thinks things. 
right? The only way you can access peace and things through the Spirit is not looking through the eyes of your flesh. It's not seeing life through these things. It's called walking in the flesh. The Bible actually says walk in the Spirit. How do you walk in the Spirit? Well, stop seeing things the way you see them and start seeing things the way God sees them. That's how you do that. It's not like some freaky spiritual thing like I gotta pray in the spirit all the day, all the time so that I can walk in the spirit and it's not about like being extra holy and mighty because honestly, you are holy, you are mighty, you are healed, you are in right standing with God, you're right with him, he is awesome, he is holy and he has put himself in you and when you see things that don't add up right and peace and anxiety starts coming, that's a red, that's a sign the flag is waving for you to say, you are seen in the flesh, buddy. You have quit looking that direction. You've quit seeing the Prince of Peace. It's like, hello. And that's when you go, God, I repent right now because I'm feeling anxiety and there's nothing about you that is anxious. And so I take my spiritual or my fleshly eyes right now off of this situation and I put them on you you might still struggle to see how he sees the situation, but you can have peace no matter how, it, how you see and perceive it in your flesh. You can have the peace of God. Amen. It's so cool. Listen, when you have fear in the flesh, but you have total peace, you can have courage. You can have courage to do things that you're afraid of, to do the things that make you anxious. You can have courage. You can have courage to share your faith. You can have courage to be bold. You can have courage to love. You can have courage to submit when your pride doesn't want you to submit. Why? Because you have peace. Peace is such a powerful thing. It is such a beautiful thing. I love peace. In peace, you can have courage without running in fear. In peace, you can be calm and rational rather than acting out in anger. In peace, you can be confident, confident rather than prideful. In peace, you can be comforted rather than having distress. Because of the Lord our peace, you have full access to peace. It's in your notes. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, and we just talked about righteousness, right? You have been justified, you're right standing. Because we're in right standing through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus, whom, through whom we have gained access by faith. We have full access to his peace. 100, excuse me, 100% full access. By how? You see that word right there? Into this grace, you see that word Grace. God did for you what you can never do on your, all the names of God, all of this inheritance is all given to you by grace. Because if we went off of the judgment system, we all deserve death. But grace is that Jesus paid it all for you and I. Every one of these inheritance that we receive, all of this stuff we get from God, it's all given to us by grace. God is peace. Remember last week when we talked about that scripture in Rome is that there's a constant tug of war between the flesh and the spirit? Constantly, this is what the Bible says in Romans. Constantly, constantly a tug of war. Now, righteous and religious people go, there's not a tug of war in me. I, I always do right things with the Lord. I'm not tempted anymore. Oh, okay. God bless you. You must not live in the flesh at all. 
But the Bible actually says, not many of us are like you, sir or ma'am, but the Bible actually says there's constantly a tug of war. And as long as you're in the flesh, there's always going to be a tug of war. But there's always access to the Father in that tug of war for you to do the right thing because he's always right all the time. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever not had a job before, but that's pretty stressful. You can have peace during that time. The Bible says in Galatians 5 and 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's, that's what Romans is talking about. Walk by the Spirit. So when you're freaking out and your flesh is freaking out, it's a sign that you're gratifying the flesh. And that's when you go, God, don't feel bad that you got these crazy thoughts and these crazy feelings. You're in the flesh. You just go, God, right now, Father, I repent. I change the way my flesh is thinking and seeing. It thinks and sees that I'm going to gratify these desires that I have right now, good, bad, ugly, whatever those desires are. And I pray right now, God, that you would help me to see you in the Spirit because I trust you. And I trust you are the Lord, my peace. And God, no matter how I feel right now, I thank you. Look it. Don't say bring peace to me. He is peace. It's already been brought to you. So that's why you declare, I thank you, God, for your peace. I thank you that I have access to all the peace that I need in you, no matter how difficult this situation is, no matter how funky things are in my family. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your peace, no matter how funky my relationship is with my very best friend in the world. And my heart is hurting. There's so much anguish, in it, and it's painful to possibly think that this is happening right now, and they did this, and I did that, and oh my goodness. But God, I thank you that in the middle of all this, your peace can come, and you can bring us to a great resolution. Because of the Lord, our peace, you can always be at rest in Christ, in your notes. Because of the Lord, our peace, we can always be at rest in Christ. You can always have a sound mind. I know it's really hard to believe. Don't elbow your wife or your husband or your kids. You can always have a sound mind. Second Timothy 1 and 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's like the opposite of peace, Right? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Listen, when you don't have a stable and a sound mind, that is a warning sign that you don't have peace. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up right now. Two more things, two keys to remaining in peace. First thing is, is we remain in peace by remaining in the word. The Bible says grace and peace be multiplied through the knowledge of God. Listen, the knowledge is understanding and awareness of God. How do we get that? By the word of God. We get that by engaging in the word. Listen, you cannot have peace without engagement in the word of God. There's no way to have it. Second thing is by remaining obedient to the word. The famous story in Luke chapter five of Peter coming in after a long day of fishing, totally exhausted and had no fish 
It'd be like somebody being a salesman, spending all day giving their best speech, knocking on doors, and not getting one sale. They're broke. They have nothing to bring home to their family. That was Peter. And and Jesus came to him and said, hey, let's go back out. After a long day, how encouraged would you be to go back out? Not very encouraged. But check this out. The Bible says, Peter said this, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, your word, I will let down my net. Here's what he said. I will obey you. I will follow you. Can you imagine the immediate peace that came to him through his obedience? The Bible says that they caught so much fish. I mean, can you imagine from one minute going home with no food for the family, no, no money for the employees and the guy that was cleaning your net and you got to come back and say, sorry, dude, can you clean my nets one more time? I have no fish to give you. I have no way to pay you, but I just need you to do all this work for me one time. Employees leaving you. I mean, life is... Can you imagine holding your head down, getting away to walk away from your boat, thinking about all those things and all of a sudden, just because you were obedient to the word of God, he went back. He caught his load of fish. I mean, how excited was he to go, I got a whopper load. I mean, fish for you, fish for you, fish for you, fish for you. Double wages. Hey, overtime, I'm paying you triple. Like Peter went from having nothing to having everything all because he was obedient to the Lord. The takeaway today, I am in right standing with God. His peace is available to me because God is. Listen, here's the saddest, the saddest, saddest thing. I was thinking about this this week. The ultimate price has been paid so we can be in right standing with God. He is a righteous judge. It's amazing to even believe, but we're living in the season of grace, a full access of grace. In other words, we can receive the payment and there can be an exchange for you to be in right standing with God. There will come a day in the end when that will not be available anymore to mankind because he's a righteous judge. And the saddest thing would be for somebody to sit here as the judge says, you're free. No, but I... I, I, did, I, I did all that. I mean, we've all talked about it. Everybody knows my dirty laundry. I deserve, I deserve to be in prison for life. And judge says, you're free. Judge, I know, but I, I feel so guilty. I feel so wrong. I feel so dirty. Nobody in society should get freedom because justice is demanded. We live in America, judge. You know that. Justice is demanded. Take me away, guards. You don't have to go, the judge says. You really don't have to do it. There's already been an exchange for your wrong. And in my opinion, the largest injustice would be for somebody to hear the gospel and never receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And you have that opportunity this morning. God looks at you and says, if you have never come into a relationship with me, I'm not about religion, and you have possibly had some really bad representations of who I am and what I'm about, but I'm nothing like you've ever seen. I'm right and I'm fair, and I want to put you in right standing with me today. 
because I have a whole lot of good stuff, my peace, so many things that I want to give to you that will help you in this life.